this is the Fearless Fathers Podcast, a podcast for you, the fathers who suffer in silence every single day. Come with us as we hit those main topics that are just burning through your soul. It's going to get uncomfortable. It's going to be fun. And together, we will become fearless. What is going on, our fearless family? Thank you again for tuning in and checking out another episode of the Fearless Fathers Podcast. I'm on the mic solo today, so you know what that means. It's interview time. We're sitting down with another fearless father who's willing to share his story about how he grew, how he became better, how he is the fearless father that he is today. I want to welcome Matt Painter on the mic. Matt, say what's up to our fearless family. How's it going, guys? It's going. Just like all of you, he's going, we're going. It's going to go down here in a minute. Matt is a 22-year-old father of two a five-month-old child, and his fiance's five-year-old child. Matt has a very unique situation in the fact that he has Tourette's syndrome. So raising two children with this condition brings a lot of its own challenges, a lot of its own feels, fears, anxieties, all of that stuff. So Matt offered to sit down with us, sit down, let us pick his brain, ask some of the usual questions we do, and then really just dive into it on how he became much more fearless, became better. Matt, why don't you take it away and uh, tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Of course, Dave. Um, like he said, I live in, uh, I'm, my name's Matthew. I live in the panhandle of West Virginia, um, small little town. If you guys know, it's Martinsburg, West Virginia. I originally grew up in Inwood, though. Growing up, it was that small little town. Everyone knew everyone. You'd leave your door unlocked and the neighbor could come over and just say, you know, how you're doing and just living your life the comfortable style. And then... Above that, it was basically adapt with your surroundings. So with that being said, I, uh, I became a lot more independent here recently. And uh, I feel that makes me a stronger person I am today. I have always been the bigger person in situations because of how my life has been. Life has thrown me so many challenges. And my biggest thing is to be positive and not negative. I work at a small little job called uh, CCM Dye Supply, a great little business for starting out. And uh, like you said, I have a five-month-old son. His name is Leon. He's amazing. The funniest little guy you ever met. And then, of course, I have, uh, I consider my daughter. Her name's Anna. She's really all together. The person, if you want to sit with and want to have a good laugh, she's the kid to sit there and just have a good time with. I mean, quite honestly, that's all about me. I'm just a typical, you know, nine to five kind of guy. That's awesome. So there you go, guys. You got to meet Matt personally, what he does, where he comes from. And I mean, Matt, I know we just started talking recently, but you are, you're really what embodies what I believe the fearless fathers having that positive mindset. Like you said, you try and live life in a positive lifestyle, not pulling away from the negativity just because of the challenges that were thrown to you. And I know we're going to, we're going to dive deep into those two once we, once we really start getting into this. So I want you guys to keep those notes as you're going on while we're having this conversation. So Matt, number one question right off the bat. It's on. It's live. It's Fearless Father's time. What is the best or funniest thing one of your kids did recently? All right. So I've been trying to teach my daughter, Anna, manners. So I would always tell her when you're inside a Walmart or any grocery store, if you're near someone, please say excuse me. But she also knows when I'm in like at a store or something and my Tourette's syndrome acts up, I also announce that I do have Tourette's syndrome and I apologize. 
So we're uh, we're going down the bread aisle, and, and she's walking through people, and I go, Anna, what do you say? She goes, I have Tourette's. I go, no, no, no. That is not what you say. You say, I have, or you say, excuse me. She goes, but you always say you have Tourette's and everyone always leaves you alone in front of about five different people. And of course, you know, you get those looks like, what kind of parent are you? Or you get those looks of, you know, what are you teaching your child? And I'm just like, man, I do what I do. And she learns from what I teach her. So, I mean, honestly, if she says she wants to have, she has Tourette's, please, by all means, she could be right there with me. <laughs> oh, man, that that's that's got to be one of those things like you, you never hear that much. And, you know, obviously we're going to we're going to dig into that, too. But like just saying, you know what? You say it. I'm going to say it. People leave you alone. People are going to leave me alone. It's a win win situation. <laughs> I don't see anything wrong with this whatsoever. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh man, that that's amazing. I that's that's good stuff. Like how like like you said, like you get those weird looks. Like what are some things that go through your mind when you do like no, no, you really don't. It's, you know, this. <laughs> my my biggest thing is like I try to encourage to tell her is that, you know, you don't say those things <laughs> that Matt says sometimes. You know, she she's like, "But why you say it?" I'm like, "Well, what I say, I can't control. What you say, you could say, uh, let's put a break on that so that way she you don't say it and you don't get those looks." But I mean, regardless to what people look at me as, you know what? I have a kid. No parents perfect. Let's just move on life one day at a time. There you go, guys. Like Matt said, no parents perfect. Just take it one step at a time, one day at a time, and one day they'll learn, right? One day they'll keep moving, they'll keep growing. That's what exactly. we do in this world. So moving into it, when you first met your fiance, did you know that she had her daughter when you first met? There's a yes and a no answer to that. Okay. No, because we we actually met online and we talked for like a good three days before she mentioned she had a kid. So she was, you know, like one day, you know, hey, I have something to tell you. And I'm sitting here thinking about, oh, gosh, she's about to tell me she doesn't have a left arm or something. <laughs> you know, some kind of strange situation like that. And she goes, I have a kid. At first, you know, you always get those people that are like, man, never date someone who has a kid. And right. me, I'm like, you know, what's wrong with that? There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And then to the yes aspect, because... When I actually got to meet her in person, um, which was which was about a month because we were both wanted to be comfortable with, you know, our personalities and make sure we really had a connection. It's a funny thing. I helped her parents move and that was just an awkward you know, situation altogether. But at the time she was she was like, you know, first walking in there, you know, she goes, the house is a mess. We, I have a kid. So at first glance of it, I'm like, huh, <laughs> this is what a kid is like. <laughs> It's like, hey, great to meet you. By the way, here's my child. Exactly. <laughs> <moving>. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> there was no buildup, no anticipation. It was just like, you know what? Guns blazing. We're going out. Hey, here you go. Thank you for helping move my family. By the way, here's my daughter. Exactly. It was like, uh, you know, being kind of thrown to the wolves. Wow. You, you don't hear that quite often. It's more like, you know, they're really planning and you get together for a play day. And, you know, that that's like a very unique situation. Just one meeting right. online and two. 
being I think being comfortable a month ahead, you know, usually I hear like some people that take a few months, but that month that that seemed like a really quick time. So it seemed like there was a really quick connection there to start. Yeah, it was it was kind of like she knew I had Tourette's and quite honestly, it, it's kind of like a vulnerable state because you you honestly can't find a lot of people. It's like you just go out in the middle of Walmart and scream fuck for no reason. It's like, oh, OK, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you can sit there and yell at people in Walmart to move away from the cans so that we can actually see what you want to buy. You know, right. it's, it's it's honestly hard to find that person that's so comfortable and me and her clicked it off so quick. And at the time I was still living with my mom and I was a deadbeat. Honestly, I was, you know, 19, about to be 20 years old. And I, I didn't have anything in my life. I wasn't making anything of it. And I can honestly say when I met her, my entire life changed for the best. And I, I think that's fantastic. I'm going to touch base on what you just said there towards the end, because I think that's huge. That realization of I was going nowhere and the universe opened up and said, hey, here's somebody for you that's going to get you to where you need to go. Like you said, within a month, you were clicking, you were gelling, you met her daughter. It just seemed like that was the fit or that was the point in your life to move from being the deadbeat to being something more that you knew you could be. Exactly. You touched on this a little bit, but I just want you to elaborate a little bit more. Since you were, you know, 19, 20, you were so young at that time. Take us through some of those thoughts that you were having when you found out that she did have a daughter. Of course, the first initial question, am I daddy? No. <laughs> you always get that, you know, am I their father? Am I, you know, stepping in to be that bigger role model? And, you know, you'll meet some people that's like, you know, hey, I really don't want to be that person. Me, I'm like, if I can share a little bit of how I feel or what I do to someone else and their youngin, then I'd love to. You know, you you always get those things, you know, am I doing this right? Am I going to say this right? You know, am mm. I going to be able to please her with what I'm trying to do with her kid? Am I, you know, because my biggest thing is like, what can I teach her? You know, what can I do for her? Right. If I do this, is there going to be a repercussion? And with always meeting someone who has a kid, I always feel my biggest thought out of all of this was that dad's still in the picture. He definitely is still in the picture. I only met the guy about once, twice, but it's that's the biggest part that was for me, was is the dad still in the picture. You will meet some kids whose dad just walked out on their life and, you know, right. moms need the help. And then in my situation, you do find one where a kid's father is still in the picture and that is all just a story to itself. Yeah. And I, I think that's so imperative. And like you said, touching back a little bit was, you know, you want to make this connection with the child, but you also don't want to overstep your bounds and being, you know, 19, 20 years old. So it's really engaging, maybe being that parental figure, maybe not that soon or, you know, just being, hey, I don't want to be your best friend, but I still want to be friendly towards you. And it's really it always seems like an over mix of emotions that, okay, if I do this, like you said, I might be displeasing this person or doing this and doing that. And then you just kind of wrap yourself in your head. And it almost seems to me, and I've never really experienced this firsthand myself, but it always seems like people who are in that situation, like yourself, meeting a child for the first time, they maybe don't know how to handle it all that well. And they kind of curl up and just maybe really step back. Or they go really in on it and then make more of a mess down the road when when really it was just more of an easing in situation. Right. Um, and, and quite honestly, the the funny part of it is, is when I technically first met her daughter, 
Um, cause she was at down at her father's for the weekend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. That was my Tourette's. She came home and cause they went to go get her and I was like, well, I'll stay here. You know, I'll finish cleaning up the room and setting things together and you guys go get her and you should, you shoot me a text when you guys are close. You know, me and myself, I, I love listening to music while I'm doing something. It helps keep me mm-hmm. calm, keeps me focused. And I have headphones in, singing my heart out, cleaning a room. And I turn around and here's this little kid standing in front of me and I'm whole fucking shit. And she's like, she gets scared and runs to her mom crying. And I'm like, Oh God, what a great first impression. (laughs) (laughs) And then she comes in and she goes, Anna, this is Matthew. And from that point on me and her are like two peas in a pot. You know, we're inseparable. It's it's unfortunately that first step meeting her was in the record books of like, you just kind of screwed up there, guy. <laughs> but <laughs> in the long run, I I wouldn't have it any other way. That's amazing. That's amazing. Building that connection so early on and just being able to build and foster that to, like you said, becoming now your best friend and inseparable, I think is just absolutely, absolutely astonishing stepping into that role. So we're going to move on here. Again, we kind of touched based on some of these. Take us through your thoughts about becoming a father at such a young age, you know, stepping into the parent role with now your daughter and, you know, having a five-month-old now. Like, what was your overall thoughts going into that? Well, with a five-year-old, well, she was three at the time. um, Stepping into that, it's like, man, you now have someone else you got to take care of. You know, there's someone else you have to be responsible for. There's someone else you got to look out for. So it was kind of like adding 20 books to each shoulder. And then let's skip ahead to about a year and a half. And, you know, she, my fiance sits me down and she goes, you know, I I feel that I'd like to have a kid with you. And at first moment, I'm like, you know, I'm only 20 at this point, you know, about to hit 21. I'm like, man, you know, I, I don't know. And then she's like, well, take some time, think about it. And I was like, my biggest concern was like, I have Tourette's syndrome and I, my neurologist told me there's a chance that my son could get it. And that mm. was a big eye opener for me because growing up, it was very hard. So I was like, you know, I came to her, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm really worried about this. And what she said to me, I will never forget. She said to me, the good thing is, Matthew, is that you've been through it and you can show our son or daughter how to. So I was like, you know what, let's give it a shot. You know, I'm willing to try. And Let's skip, you know, a year down the road and pop comes out this little baby. Beautiful. I bawled my eyes out when I first saw my son. And then he got put into the NICU for um, his lungs wasn't developed all the way because he's he's considered a preemie. And and then I was like, man, what did I do wrong? Is there a choice I made that was wrong or, you know, because this is now my son. This is, you know, of course, I consider her my daughter, but now my son is in this world and he's already in the NICU and have to juggle between a job and going home and taking care of the responsibilities at home and, you know, helping out with her daughter. And it was very, very hard at the beginning. It was very difficult to wrap my mind around, hey, you're a dad now. You have two kids. Let's get it going. Let's move on. Let's the train as fast as it can go. I sympathize with that greatly. You know, being a new father myself, I, I say new father, I have a two-year-old now, 
But I mean, even for our listeners now who are going to be new fathers or currently are in the struggles of new fatherhood, guys, take that in. Take what Matt said in and really embrace that. We all feel that in one way or another. You know, when that when that child is born and you ball like a baby because I did the same thing too when my son was born, <laughs> that, that light switch hits and it says, hey, you are now responsible for this little person who depends so much on you. You know, for somebody like me, I was almost 30 at the time before my son was born. For somebody like you who's just starting out and, you know, 20 years old, that's your life going ahead right there. So it becomes not so much the partying and the going out and doing all that. It's saying, hey, I can still have fun, but I could still take care of this little one who depends on me so much. And I feel that is so imperative as a father because we all feel it constantly, but we never say anything. We bottle it all up inside and we say, Everybody's going to think I'm a failure because I feel like I'm failing my child who's just born or in the NICU or whatever the case is. Guys, this is living proof. You're not alone with this. You are not alone when it comes to this, taking that and saying, you know what? I could build from this and I could be better and I can mentally prepare myself if that situation happens or when my child's born that I know I'm going to be the best damn father I'm going to be. And I think that's I think that's absolutely well said, Matt. I love that. Absolutely love it. When you look at your childhood and when you were growing up, what are some things that you're working on instilling in your children now? My biggest thing that I'm trying to show them, even to my son, you know, who's even five months old, is keep a smile on that face because that's what's going to get you through this life because you're going to have so many things thrown at you. You're going to have bills. You're going to have jobs. You're going to have people coming up to you and saying, no, you can't do this or Hey, I really don't think you can do this. Maybe I could try to find someone else. And if you just keep a smile on your face, you will conquer anything. Even to my son, you know, who's only five months old. And, you know, when he's sitting there crying, all I can do is look into his eyes and smile because I want to show him, hey, I know it's hard right now. But you know what? If you smile, you laugh a little bit, you'll be fine. You'll get through life just fine. And once I smile a little bit, he smiles. And even with our five-year-old, you know, she'll go through times where she's just like, you know, I can't do this, Matt. I, I really can't. Biggest thing to do is sit down, slow down, look at what you're doing and take your time. Never give up. Because if you give up, life's going to roll over you like a freight train. My biggest thing, probably the biggest thing even everyone now can learn is to think positive and not negative. Because when you think negative, negative things will happen. But if you think positive, positive things will happen. And they have honestly picked so much off of it, you know, especially with Anna, for instance, like earlier I said, with her in Walmart trying to teach her manners. It's, you know, excuse me, ma'am, or it's, you know, excuse me, sir. Those little things you push into your children. It's like, wow, that's a piece of me being put out in such a positive outlook, in such a positive way. And, and I think it's amazing that I could do such a big thing for them like that. All right. I'm not going to lie. I have some goosebumps right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is absolute fire. I mean, you are dropping some absolute value here. I want to really sit. I want to break this down for our listeners because this is, this is exactly what we preach on this podcast is just smile. Just smile 
and instill that sense of happiness and pride in you and your children. The more you smile, the more it's going to bounce and radiate off of everybody. And, you know, to those out there that are thinking, oh, you can't be happy all the time. You're right. You can't be. It takes years and years and years to really build that mindset of being positive, being happy, being ready to rock and roll. But let's be honest. Your kids are your number one supporter. They idolize you. They pick apart everything you do. And if you are doing nothing but smiling and having positive thoughts and not saying anything negative around them, guess what they're going to do? They're going to be positive. They're going to be happy. They're going to smile. They're going to laugh all the time. And it just brightens everything up. You know, when my son was born, all we did was we just smiled around him. We tickled him. We laughed. We did all this. And now being almost two, that's all he does is he smiles. He laughs. He gets miserable sometimes. You know, he's got a little bit of my personality. But <laughs> Every toddler in the world. <laughs> right? But 95% of the time, he's more happy than he is the terrible twos or being that toddler. You know, you're going to have your phases, but it's how you take it. And like you said, Matt, I want to really, really push down on this one. The more positivity you seek and the more positivity you find, the more that's going to be out there. When you look at negative thoughts, all you see is a cloud of negativity, a cloud of doubt. You walk down a hallway thinking it's light and it's more darkness. The moment you make a small shift in that mindset. Exactly. I love it. I absolutely love it. I got goosebumps. And we're only halfway in, guys. We're only halfway in, and we're still dropping value. (laughs) I love this question. I ask this question on every interview we've done so far. And every time I've gotten an answer to this question, it's been absolute fire. So I know you're going to keep the streak alive. Don't let me down now, Matt. But what's the biggest parenting mistake you've made, and how did you overcome that? Honestly, I have to recur you to one night. My son was in the NICU. The hardest part probably for me was being exhausted. It's like my fiance was like, babe, can we go see him? You know, you know, I miss him. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I I missed him so much. And, and it's like, I couldn't put myself to seeing him like that. You know, he had, and he had the incubator on him and a feeding tube. You know, we, we couldn't even make the slightest noise in his room without his heart rate going up every day. I was calling and, you know, Hey, what's his oxygen level set today? And, they knew me by my voice and that's how much I called and but I, I never really wanted to go in there just because I, I didn't want to see my son like that, you know. I wanna be able to see him at his good times and his at his best and then it's like looking at it now, you know, it's like, man, that was some of his best times because you can see him progress. Every mm. day I called, you could see you know, the little bit of moments, you, you know, hey, his oxygen level, you know, it's lowered a little bit. You know, he's, he's getting closer to what me and you breathe. Hey, his feeding tube got taken out today. And, you know, they, they even made it to the point to where they put a, a camera over his incubator for us. And I, I'd stay up one, two, three o'clock in the morning, bawling my eyes out because that's my son and I'm not there with them just because it's like I don't want to see my son like that in person. Because when I first held him, it, it like almost brings me to tears. When I first held him, he did something that I'm sure everyone knows. It's called singing. Uh, the easiest word, like a, a CPAP machine. It helps him breathe. And it was so hard to hear him sit there and do that. Because it's like, you can't help him. 
there's nothing you can do other than be there for him. And honestly, that's something I still regret is not going in there and seeing him. Wow. And I mean, just that, just that level, you know, just being that new father that wants to see nothing but the best for your child for a lot of us, and especially you new dads out there. It's so tough to just say, Hey, I want to be in there. I want to see him. A lot of people deal with stuff like that in such different ways. What you said was really, really beneficial as far as the, the darkness that was your son in the Nick you but you saw the progression, you saw the light at the end of the tunnel and everything was just getting better day after day after day, hour after hour. Like you said, to the point where they actually put a camera in there for you guys to really, in a sense, be there with him. Even though you might not have been there physically, you were still there being able to see him. And I think that speaks a lot of being a father. Yes, you want to be there for your child at the best times. You also need to be there for their worst times but you're not alone when it comes to it. You're not a failure and you're not a shitty father if you're going to be that dad who may not go to the NICU because you're battling these feelings. That is perfectly okay. And I know another friend, I'm not going to get too too far into it for time, who had similar similar things and similar thoughts like you when they were going through something along the same lines. It's there. It's real. It happens. It means nothing more than you being human and just learning as you go. Because as a father, that's all you do. You just learn as you go. And Isn't that the truth? A hundred percent the truth. We talked a little bit about it in the beginning. Matt here, 22 years old. He was diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome at the age of 16. For those who may not know or may have something of an idea, Matt, can you take us through a little bit about your condition and how you mentally deal with that being a father? Of course. Basically, when I have, if I was to explain it to someone who knows nothing about it, it's like if you want to do something with all your heart and you want to do it so, so, so bad, but you have no control of it. It just happens. Uh, The click of a pen, drop of a pen, flip of a coin, it happens whether you like it or not. Um, You can be like, man, I really don't want to do that. And it's that little voice in the head saying, oh, you really want to stop that? I could just make it 10,000 times worse. Growing up with it was probably the hardest part because I'd be in class and I'm sitting there, you know, I I, I was sitting there one day and, you know, I can't help but laugh. The teacher was talking. I said, would you just shut the fuck up as loud as I could? And she's like, excuse me. And I'm like, I'm extremely sorry. I, I have Tourette's. And she sent me to the front of the office. And, you know, I got told, you know, you need to have a doctor saying that, you know, you have Tourette's. Went to a neurologist, was officially diagnosed. And it's now I was able just to sit in the back of the classroom and, you know, fuck you, bitch, you know, as loud as I wanted to. And they couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> you know, you know it, it has its perks. But, you know, in all seriousness, if you see someone out out in public and, you know, I'm not saying you don't have that random crackhead who's in there slapping their face for another, you know, another fix. Right. Don't judge someone just because they're sitting there. They're they're saying something absurd or like, man, you'd really say that around kids. You know, I, I don't like it. You know, just the other day, you know, I, I was on the phone with my fiance and I was on speaker because um, Anna wanted to talk to me. And I seriously said a side order of silly dicks coming up. And Anna was like, what's a silly dick? I'm like, nothing, sweetheart. Don't worry about that. And it's it's so hard to explain to your kids, you know, I, I can't help this. 
you know, it's something that I have to live with for the rest of my life. And it's very hard to be out in public and something happen and they just look at you. Like you're just this joke or this comedy act, you know, and of course it's funny sometimes. It's extremely funny sometimes, but there's also times where it really does hurt if, you know, throwing your neck around or when you're driving and, you know, your your arm flings and you're worried about the safety of the people inside of your car because you don't know if you can, you know, control your vehicle. It's it is especially hard for my kids because I don't want them to see a freak or, you know, someone who's weird. The way right. I like to put it is different. Because not one person on this earth is the same. Not one person looks identical. We are all, in a sense, a snowflake. And they say there's not one snowflake alike. And I live my life to that. You know, it's it's so easy to fall into, oh, you're just, you know, you're weird. You know, you don't have threats. You're just, you know, a crack addict or, you know, you, you have a mental problem. And it's really hard to go through that day by day. And the best way I deal with that is just simply go through it day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, and second by second. One step at a time, one day at a time. That's it. And I got to say this because I think the very first time I ever realized what Tourette's syndrome was, and you, you made me think about this with your school story, was the South Park episode where Cartman claimed that he had Tourette's syndrome. That, <laughs> if you ever saw that episode. You have no clue. <laughs> Oh my God, you have no clue how many people have stopped me and is like, are you Cartman? No, no, I'm not playing Cartman right now. <laughs> yeah, I kind of figured that was going to be one of those like, oh, I hear that a lot. But that that's all that reminded me of. I think you said it best too, is a lot of people, they either don't understand it or they think that you're just messing with them. You know, and, and I use that Cartman analogy in the sense of you're battling something and you're going through something that people look at as a joke. Or they look at it as not serious. Exactly. Not only do you deal with hmm. the stigmas of fatherhood, you're dealing with these other stigmas out there that now you have double the pressure and double the anxiety that maybe another father would. And just going through there and being able to sit down with, you know, with Anna and say, hey, you know, this is something that's up with me. We talked about in the beginning, like this is what I am, it's it's hard to explain because they don't truly understand and development and all that kind of right. stuff. But the way that you're able to take it and just say, hey, yeah, this is who I am. I could play it as a joke. I could have fun with it. But at the end of the day, I'm still human. And that unconscious bias, I think, is the big thing with people. We look at it and I'm I'm guilty too. I'm not perfect by any means. I would see somebody like that and be like, "Hey, good for you, man, for saying fucking bullshit in the middle of Walmart at the top of your lungs." Right. Like, good for you, man. But you know, to somebody else, they'd be like, "Oh my god, that guy is a horrible person." And and I just feel it's it's that unconscious bias in ourselves that just say, "Oh, well, he's just a jerk. He's just this. He's just that. He has no sympathy or empathy for other people. It, it's just who you know. He, he just wants to be a jerk." But then there's that other side of that coin, that other side that people don't know of Matt, of the guy who's going through those struggles and really trying to be the best father he can be while also battling something that that doesn't get a lot of attention on. And you you honestly got that right on point. You so many people are un, uneducated and you can't blame them. No, you, know, you can't. It It's the way life's brought up. You get taught the basics. You know, when you're at school, 
do you, when you study for a test, you don't study outside of that test. You know, you study for that test. So with, with that being said, when you're going through life, you learn about life. You don't learn about the struggles that some other people have to deal with with life. Right. It's color inside the lines and study for what's on the test and anything else doesn't seem to matter in, in our today's society. I think that's coming more to the forefront now in today's world than it did really 10, 15 years ago, you know, when I was growing up. But you're, you're absolutely right. There's still a long way to go. And, you know, something like this to help, you know, fathers like you who may be battling something similar, maybe not the same, but something similar. Hopefully it resonates with you guys. Take these notes take them because those negative thoughts are just going to lead you down a darker path with your condition and with how you've been handling it. How has that been with your parenting style? I know we've been touching a little bit base, but can you elaborate more a little bit on your parenting style with having Tourette's? You know, this is going to sound silly, especially since I said some people should take this really seriously. It's perfect. Like it's kind of a blessing in disguise because when we, uh, Anna, she loves to play. She loves to goof around. And so, you know, there are some days my text would just be like, oh, yo, rubber ducky as loud as I can. And she just laughs her butt off. <laughs> you know, she just laughs, laughs, laughs. And, you know, there'll be some times where I, I accidentally hit something really hard. And she just laughs because she thinks it's just the most hilarious thing ever. So she slaps a cabinet and she, her mother's like, you better not be copying him. And <laughs> like, you know what? She's having fun. I'm having fun. <laughs> Let's live this to the fullest. You know, the the only downside, only downside is when I cuss, you know, and that's something I have to keep on reminding her. Mm-hmm. Don't repeat that, you know, and it's like, you know, for example, if I go, oh, fuck shit. And she's like, oh, fuck shit. No, no, you don't say that. <laughs> you don't say that, you know, and it's it's honestly a lot of fun, even for my son, because he loves it when I do little face ticks and like I move my head around real quick oh. or. I blink really hard. He just laughs. And it honestly makes me feel better. Like, you know what? He's comfortable with it. He makes me feel comfortable with it. That just shows me you're doing something right. A blessing in disguise, guys. A blessing in disguise. Something that he's had for most of now his adult life. A blessing in disguise for his kids. Like you said, those face ticks for your five-month-old, he cracks up laughing. And in the same way, when you yell rubber ducky at the top of your lungs and she just laughs, taking that. And I love that you said that your parenting style is perfect, that everything is good. You embrace who you are. You say, hey, I have my flaws, but damn it, if I'm not going to take them and I'm not going to bring them to the next level and I'm going to make them better and I'm going to double down on the, on the successes of these downfalls, and the failures that I have, I'm going to be able to rebound even better because I'm not going to let them drag me down. I love it. Exactly. Absolutely love it. So we have a few more questions here just to wrap everything up for you fathers today. New question out there. Going to give it a shot. Let's see. Let's see. We're going to dive a little deep into Matt's brain here a little bit more. Dropping a ton of value. Let's even drop some more today. What do you think your kids are going to remember most about you when they get older? Honestly, fishing. Like, I know that sounds funny, but fishing. Um. And this is what I like to do a lot in my pastime. I feel fishing has a lot of value into it because right now, as you know, with having a two-year-old, something that they're very terrible at is having patience. (laughs) And, you know, Mm. I'm trying to teach her, you know, hey, slow down and wait. If you take your time and you play your cards just right, it will always work out in your favor. And, you know, a, a lot of people out there might be like, you know, fishing, dude, you could say 10,000 other answers. Well, 
to me, that's my best answer because there's people overlook everything in their life. You know, day to day things you do, they're like, what life lesson does that have? And honestly, if you sit down and think about it, you'd be surprised. Um, Right. I, I always try to make a key point in everything I do to my kids or with my kids because I'm sorry, I don't want them growing up and struggling or I don't want them to sit down and wonder to themselves, what do I need to do? I want them to be able to pick themselves up and keep on walking, wipe off the dust and keep on fighting life to your fullest. Because if you don't, you will get crumbled down to the ground. And like a lot of us know, life has no problem with putting you down. I'm one of those where I'm just like you. I like to sit down. I like to at least justify or pinpoint some kind of life lesson or some kind of motivating factor into what I'm doing. And I know you need a lot of patience for fishing. I haven't gone fishing in years, but I think that's absolutely <laughs> imperfect, you know, perfect that they're gonna, that they're going to remember patience is key number one and just taking your time. If you take your time, things will come to you when you rush is when you're going to see a lot of failures coming through. Exactly. I absolutely love that. So on the days where you're not feeling that great father, or you don't have that patience that we just talked about, because, you know, we're not all perfect. We're all building and growing. <laughs> what are some things that what are some things that you do to change those thoughts? Well, first off, you know, I always just like to step back from the situation and look at it from a different point of view, just because in the moment you're like, this is terrible. This is honestly terrible. This is, I can't do this. But if you slow down, take a step back and really look at it, you can pick things out piece by piece and figure out how to solve it. Honestly, the best way I deal with it, I know some people might find strange, is if you're mad at someone or, you know, you're just having a hard day. I always love to give hugs. That to me feels like, you know what? That's, you're, you're going to be okay. If my son is sitting there bawling, that smile and a hug from him is the best thing ever. Or if, you know, my daughter Anna knows, you know, things are just really hard right now. She knows she can walk up to me and give me a hug because everything's going to be okay. And even to my fiance, my parents, my friends, everything is going to be okay. And even if it's just a hug, some people, it might be, you know, talking it out, might be writing it down on a piece of paper and crumbling it up. Everyone has their different points. But for me, I, I'm definitely a hugger. And it helps me out a lot. Free hugs. Go to Matt. You'll get free hugs. He's got it. He's got a spray painted on his stomach. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah, it would be amazing. <laughs> Take a step back, refocus your thoughts and just know everything's going to be OK. Look at things in a different light. Don't let those emotions overcome what it is, you know, you can be or know who you could be. I used to be an extremely emotional person. I taught myself to get out of those emotions and think with a clearer head. And when you step back and you refocus and you don't act on that impulse, a lot of great things start coming your way. So we're going to wrap this up. We're going to say goodbye, Matt, here in a little bit. But last two questions for our fathers today. Do you have a call to action for our listeners and what is it? And in your own words, what does it mean to be a fearless father? Of course, if I had to say anything to go out there and do anything, I definitely would say take every step with the biggest step you can. Don't light foot it. Don't don't just go easy. Slam right into that bitch. Don't feel like you have to let back. Don't feel like something's going to hold you back because those thoughts that's holding you back, 
is really what's going to prevent you from keeping going. And I've learned that the hard way. So if I had to express anything to you guys, don't slow down. Put that foot forward. Step hard. And you will get things going in your life just the way they deserve to be. And in my opinion, a fearless father is definitely facing every day with a smile or every day with your kids. And at the, every, at the end of the day, when, you know, you're laying down with your kids and, you know, you just had a hard day at work and you felt life was just beating you down and you're holding your kids, that's just saying congratulations, you did it. That, in my opinion, is what being a fearless father is. I love it. So there you go, guys. There's your call to action. Go in on it. Don't go light-footed. Go in, jump into that deep end, take the biggest step forward you can, embrace that uncomfortable feeling, and you're just going to find some amazing things along the way. And just do it all with a smile on your face, and the world is going to turn. The world's going to give you exactly what you need, where you need to be at that time. Matt, I want to thank you on behalf of our fearless family for joining us today. You dropped some incredible, incredible, incredible information, value, bombs, blew it up. Thank you so wholeheartedly for being on the show today. Of course, Dave. And I, I honestly just wanted to thank you for this opportunity. This right here was something that I needed personally. I know this is going to help a lot of fathers out there. And I personally have to thank you because I feel even just hearing it out loud, it's like, man, you really are going in the right direction. And honestly, thank you. That means the absolute world to me that that you even came onto the show and that this is helping you. Be Guys, this is exactly why me and Ryan started this podcast just a few short months ago was for these exact reasons for you to get uncomfortable to reaffirm that everything you're doing is the right damn direction. So don't stop what you're doing because you are exactly where you need to be at any one time. The universe will give you exactly what you can handle at any one time, no more and no less. So just go out there and crush it. Thank you very much. And you're very welcome for allowing you on the show as well, too, because this was just absolute amazement. Yeah, of course, man. I hope something resonated with you today. If it did, take it and just start working those steps. You don't become perfect overnight. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Fearless Fathers Podcast. You can find us both there. Check out our Teespring shop. Link is in the description as well as on our Facebook page. Support us on Patreon as well too, guys. $1 is going to go a long way in helping Ryan and I continue to do what we're doing in this podcast to build a community of fearless fathers who could stand up and break down the stigmas that our fatherhood that's holding us down so tight, especially for you new and expectant fathers. If you want to be a guest on this show or you want to share your story with us in written form, hit us up on fearlessfatherspodcast at gmail.com. Let us know. We'd love to have you on the show or even read it out loud. Or if you even just want to send it to us and leave it off and nothing there, we're fine with that too. Just because your child learns and grows every single day does not mean you cannot do the same. We are louder than ever before. And together... We're going to become fearless. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>